Well, it is good to see all of you here today as we continue our August worship series, which is entitled FACTS, or F-A-Q-S, and we're looking at frequently asked questions by Christians. Some of the questions we're considering throughout the month are, how can I know that I'm saved? What's God's will for my life? And what's heaven like? Today we're asking, do miracles still happen? And our scripture lesson comes from John, the sixth chapter, beginning with the 16th verse. As you're able, I invite you to stand in honor of the reading of the gospel. When evening came, Jesus' disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. And when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on water. And they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were headed. Amen. Would you please be seated? There is one scholar who theorizes that Jesus walked on ice rather than water. Dornoff is a professor of oceanography at Florida State University. And he wrote an article in 2006 in the Journal of Paleolimnology. This is a scientific journal that focuses upon the reconstruction of lake history. Seriously, I could not make this stuff up. And he and his team focused on a region around Tabda near the Sea of Galilee. And in this 10,000 square foot area, there are saltwater springs that empty into the freshwater lake. Knopf theorizes that a frigid cold wind blew across the lake over a period of two days and dropped the temperature to 25 degrees Fahrenheit. And then a phenomenon called springs ice occurred above the plumes of the saltwater springs and formed a solid sheet of ice above the water. And from the shore or a boat, it would not have been observable. So he says Jesus may have walked on ice rather than water. Now he goes on to say the odds of this happening in the first century were, wait for it, once every 30 to 160 years. So I guess it was just happenstance that when Jesus stepped out, the ice happened to form. She had another example of how skeptics will turn intellectual backflips in order to explain away the miraculous. And it's been occurring for millennia. The Apostle Thomas, who had followed Jesus for three years when he heard rumors of the resurrection, said, I won't believe it unless I see with my own eyes and touch with my own hands. Thomas Jefferson, one of the founding fathers of our nation, edited the Gospels for his own use. And he eliminated all supernatural references and miracle stories. Back in the 1950s, Rudolf Bultmann, led a movement demythologizing Jesus in order to discover the historical figure behind what is presented in the Gospels. And whether it's then or now, miracles are challenging because they are difficult to comprehend and they're even harder to believe. And so today we're coming to explore what do we as Christians believe about miracles? Well, when we hear the word miracle, typically we think of some 
extraordinary event where God acts powerfully, suspends the laws of nature, and intervenes in human lives and history. And the Bible is filled with examples, both in the Old as well as the New Testament, of miracles. In Jesus' own ministry, we've already talked about Christ walking on water or calming the storm, transforming water into wine, healing the sick, allowing the blind to see, calling Lazarus out of the grave, And those sorts of stories continue in the Acts of the Apostles as well as Paul's ministry. But do those sorts of miracles still happen today? John Calvin, who was one of the leaders of the Protestant Reformation, said that such miracles were a special dispensation from God to the first century church in order to spread the gospel throughout the known area, but they ceased with the apostolic age. But that's not been my experience. My guess is it probably hasn't been yours either. Most people here either have a story they could tell from their own lives or someone else's life, which we ascribe as being miraculous. About 25 years ago, a good friend of mine and his two children were involved in a car accident. Thankfully, it wasn't terribly serious, but a few days later, his oldest son was still complaining about neck pain. So they took him to Children's Health Care, who immediately referred him to the spinal specialist, and what they discovered was he had been born, without their knowledge, with a malformed odontoid. Without getting too much into biology, I don't understand the top of the spinal column ought to be somewhat like a ball fitting into a socket. And instead, his was more like a pyramid with his head precariously balanced atop. And they told the parents... He'll require surgery at 12 years of age, 18 years of age, 40 years of age, followed by weeks in ICU, months of rehabilitation, and paralysis and death are a real possibility. The young man is now in his 30s. He's never had surgery and leads a normal life. The doctors say over time, his muscles, ligaments, and tendons overcompensated for his skeletal malformation. His parents will tell you it was a miracle and that God healed their child. See, there are always two challenges whenever you start to talk about miracles in the life of the church. The first is facts always require faith's interpretation. And this is one of the arguments I have with Christian apologetics that try to explain and give a rational explanation of what's in the Bible, and I appreciate that because we need that background and that backdrop, but ultimately, it comes down to a leap of faith because there are always people out there who say, Jesus walked on ice rather than water. Somehow, an absurd rational explanation is easier to swallow than a simple admission that God acted miraculously in somebody's life. It occurred even in Jesus' ministry. There is an incident in John chapter 6 where Jesus has been teaching the crowds, and at the culmination of the sermon, he looks to heaven and says, God, glorify your name. And a heavenly voice thunders down and says, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And some standing there said, they heard an angel speak. And others standing there said, did you hear it 
thunder. It's always open to interpretation. Secondly, and I want to be very honest about this next part because I do think it's one of the dilemmas we face as Christians, is that if we profess a belief in miracles, the reality is God does not always act miraculously. I've had experiences, you have, where we have prayed passionately and diligently for God to intervene in our lives or the lives of someone we loved, and it at least appeared as if nothing happened. And it's one of the challenges of miracles that God does act miraculously, but not always, at least not in ways we hope for, want, or can immediately discern. And we bump nose first into the whole understanding of God's providential care and God's will in our lives. But I still believe that God works miraculously. But part of what I'd suggest to each of us today is that maybe we as Christians need to downsize our understanding of miracles. Maybe we we need to redefine what is the miraculous. Because if we're only looking for miracles that are water to wine, healing of the blind, calling Lazarus out of the grave sort of things, we're going to miss a lot. Because we believe in God as creator, redeemer, and sustainer, which means the Lord is at work all about us for eyes to see and ears to hear. And sometimes we just miss the miraculous in our lives. There's a story I heard when I first entered the ministry. I probably told it a time or two here about a farmer that was up top a tall barn and he was working to patch a hole in the roof when suddenly he lost his balance, started slipping down the shingles and was about to fall down to the ground far below. And as he was sliding down, he looked to heaven and he said, God, save me. And just as he went over the edge, a nail protruding from the roof caught his overalls. And there he hung safely before falling. And he looked up to God and said, Never mind, Lord, this nail caught me. How often do we ascribe God's actions to just earthly coincidence? And we don't realize that God has been at work all about us. One author said that coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Back in uh, 2015, Squire Rushnell published a book entitled, When God Winks at You, How God Speaks to You Directly Through the Power of Coincidence. And the author introduced to the Christian vocabulary this new phrase of a God wink, of God acting, and if we are paying attention, we see it. And in God's holy flirtation with the world, the Holy Spirit is winking at us all of the time. Back in 2002, M. Night Shyamalan released a strange movie entitled Signs. It starred Mel Gibson as an Episcopal priest who, after a tragic accident, has lost his faith. And it is a weird mixture of drama, theology, and science fiction. And here, clearly, I'm not encouraging you to go out and watch it. It's a bizarre film. But there is one scene where Gibson has a conversation with his oldest child. And he says to him, see, what you have to ask yourself is what kind of person are you? Are you the kind that sees signs? 
sees miracles? Or do you believe people just get lucky? Or look at the question this way. Is, there poss- is it possible there's no such thing as coincidence? Today we read from John chapter 6 and the story of Jesus walking on water. Uh, the other Gospels tell this story as well with varying details. In Matthew's version, Jesus is walking on the water and impetuous Simon Peter, in an act of courageous faith, says, Lord, if it's really you, call me to join you. And so Jesus says, well, come on. And Simon steps out of the boat and begins to walk towards Jesus. And you may remember the next part of the story. Then he looks down, takes his eyes off of the Lord and starts looking at the waters and begins to sink. And he cries out, God, save me. And Jesus takes him by the arm, pulls him out and says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? What kind of person are we? Do we see coincidence or do we see God winks? Do we see happenstance or do we see miracles? The answer to that question is going to answer other questions in turn. Did the nail just happen to catch the farmer if he, as he went off the roof? Did my friend's son's muscles, ligaments, and tendons just happen to form in a way that stabilized his head? Did it just possibly thunder when Jesus cried out to heaven? Did out of once every 30 to 160 years, ice just happen to form when Jesus stepped out on the Sea of Galilee? Are you the sort of person that believes in signs, that believes in miracles? Or do we tend to be disciples that stay on the shore safely looking out over the waters and wondering why we never experience the miraculous? Or maybe we're the sort who are willing to step off off the boat in faith, knowing that our Lord is still in the business of performing miracles. What kind of person are you? Elizabeth Bear Browning, one of, wrote one of my favorite poems I quote over and again, using the imagery of Moses standing before the burning bush and experiencing God, she said, Earth's crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God. And he who sees takes off his shoes, and the rest sit around it and pluck blackberries. Eyes to see, ears to hear. Spirits that are sensitive to the Spirit's touch. It turns out the impossible is happening every day. Miracles occur all about us. What kind of person are you? Let us pray. Gracious God, we do ask that you would give us spiritual discernment to see the miraculous. As a people of faith, to call out to you and ask you to act powerfully in the midst of our lives but Lord, also to recognize the many miracles that occur on a daily basis, that there's no such thing as a small miracle. It's your work in our lives time and time again. Do give us eyes to see, ears to hear, spirits sensitive to your spirit's stirrings, and to recognize the miracles you perform in our lives. In Christ's name we pray it. Amen. Amen.